of the abundant life. So I want to talk to you tonight about a, a pretty, maybe off the radar topic, because that's normally what it is. It's the simple, practical things that lead us into truth and freedom. And it's normally not these, man, I had to work so hard. It was so difficult. And there were so many things I had to do. It's normally pretty practical, pretty simple. So I want to talk to you tonight on the presence of God. Uh, honestly, I want to share just a bit. Um, a few people have asked me, hey, how do I get your book? So if you ever need a copy or, or hey, you, you want to take a copy to somebody in jail, uh, that's, what, that's what my heart is, is for the first book I wrote to go to a, a jail, person in jail, because I was in jail and I wanted to read a book, right? Because you don't have nothing else to do. So I have copies here for 10 bucks. They're $12.99 online. Sorry, that kind of covers the shipping. So um, that it, you just let me know if you want to send a book to somebody in jail. Of course, you know, if you've ever been, you have to send it straight from the publisher. Right. Because they're thinking that you might sneak some smokes in there in a book. Right. You know, who would do that? Well, they did it all the time when I was in jail. So anyways, just let me know. My second book will be out in four weeks. So you just let me know what, you know, if you want to send one out, whatever, it's up to, it's up to you. I would love to get a copy in your hands. It really just talks about how big God is, honestly. Um, and God intervened in my story and I did not want him to intervene. I'm going to get ahead of myself. I did not want him to intervene in my life, but I knew I needed a miracle and I, I had to go the route, right? When you need a miracle, you, God's the only person that does the miracle. So anyways... Um, I work for a desk. I work for a car auction just to kind of give you a little overview. I do inspections on cars. I'm not a full-time preacher, even though that's what I was called to be when I was little. But that will be soon. I will be graduated Bible school at the end of this year and will be licensed and everything. So a little bit about me. Thank you. And I'm from Louisiana. Of course, you can tell this boy ain't from the north. So today I'll tell you. This is how I learned I was in the north. I was sitting in Minneapolis and a fire truck goes by. And I was like, wow, that's cool. And then I seen a ladder truck go behind it and the guy was sitting in the ladder thing. I was like, oh my gosh, what is that? You know, so I'm sorry, I've never been up here. So that was cool. I thought it was awesome. So obviously there was something going on that they were going to need the ladder. So that guy was in for a ride. Um, so I want to tell you a little bit about the presence of God. I don't know if you've ever been around it. I didn't grow up around it, obviously. If you know anything about my story, I didn't go to church unless I was forced to go or unless it was just like life or death. And so that's that's kind of how I experienced church and God and becoming a Christian. So the presence of God is kind of a, it's not like a thing. It's not like, hey, here's the Bible. So it's not like something you can point at. It's more so like the wind, you know, like you see the wind move against the trees and, you know, up here you can see the wind move against the grass, which is really cool. But it's not something you can point your finger to, but you know it's there, right? And you, and if you've ever been around the presence of God, you know it's real because you're like, wow, I've been to a lot of churches, but I've never felt this. I, I never felt that presence. So. When I began to get around it, I would wonder, I would ask my friends, hey, hey, what is that? What is that? What's that energy? That's what I would call it. What's that energy in the room? What is that? And they were like, oh, man, that's the presence of God. And I was like, well, does it just stay here? Can it go anywhere it wants to? And I really began to be intrigued because, you know, I'm ADD, so it would like hold my attention. I'd be locked in. And I was like, how do I get a hold of that, you know? That's really cool. You know, it's kind of like Adderall. It's like, man, it's like Adderall in the air. Man, this is helping me, you know. And so I was asking questions. I didn't know. I wasn't churched. You know, I didn't have the a church booklet. And they were like, here, John, here's your church booklet. I didn't know. You know, they had to tell me to pull my pants up at church. I didn't know. You know, I was just, I didn't, I didn't have a clue. I was just showing up. I thought they'd be happy. So I'm going to leave that alone. Uh, <laughs> oh, Lord, help me. So the presence of God, it helped me yield to him because I was a little intimidated. OK, because, you know, God created everything by 
speaking it into existence. And, you know, I just, I was a little intimidated. I just didn't know anything. I, I was, I just kind of was, I was a newbie, I was a rookie. And so I started asking questions. Think about this. You believe God is real when you feel his presence. When I felt his presence, all I could think about was my sin. All I could think about is, oh, I don't deserve to feel this acceptance. I don't deserve to feel like this. You know, it was like an instant, man, I'm here with you. And I was thinking, gosh, you don't need to be with me. I'm, I'm one of them sinners, you know, and. And, and it just kept happening. Every time I'd go to church, I would just be like, man, my buddy's like, hey, lift your hands. And I was like, well, I, I, don't, I don't lift my hands, you know. And he's like, no, 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 just try it. Just try it. You know, it's, he says, kind of like holding TV, you know. So you kind of hold the TV. And I was like, oh, okay. He said, then, then you're kind of like, you know, here's the TV. Give it up. And then you're like, hey, hands up, you know, freeze. And I was like, oh, I know how that works, you know. And so, like, I started kind of learning, like, and he said, just because you lift your hand doesn't mean you're going to feel it anymore. It's just a sign of surrender. And so I had to be, like, coached, you know, like, okay, this is, like, church kind of style. And I just, I, I didn't know. But I knew that there was something about this presence. And I was like, man, I want this all the time. How does this work? Can I, can I get this in my car? What, what do I need to do, like? You know how you're just trying to figure it out. You don't know. I don't know. And there wasn't like a scripture that told me, you know, formula, right? Isn't that why God didn't create formulas? Because we would be like, yes, that's how it's done. But there are kind of formulas, you know, per se. And and you just kind of build an atmosphere. And you just say, God, I invite you in my car. And, you know, I've got 45 minutes, Lord. You know, and I can cut this radio on or... Or I get on the telephone, but, you know, for the next 45 minutes, would, would, would you just, would your presence just be here? And uh, because if not, you know, somebody's going to cut me off. There's going to be another presence in here, you know, and it's not going to be a good one. So, you know, I just was like, I was trying to learn. Okay, this is how it works. And believe it or not, this aspect of Christianity, I guess you would say, really kind of. Brought me out of a lot of bad situations. Because if I was smoking a cigarette, I wasn't asking the Lord for his presence. You see what I'm saying? They, they contradicted each other. So if I was focused on, okay, Lord, I, I want to invite you in. I wasn't thinking about the other things that would you know hinder me or pull me away from the Lord. Does that make It's pretty practical. So I wasn't like hollering or screaming at anybody at the window because I was so calm. I was just like, man, the Lord has calmed my spirit down. Man, I got that peace in my heart. You know, if somebody cut me off, I go, hey, brother, it's all good. We love you. We're praying for you, you know. But if I didn't, if I wasn't in that atmosphere, of course, you know, I mean, you can guess. Everybody's probably done it. I mean, come on. I'm not the only sinner here. Uh, so the only thing that I, I really figured out through this process of, I would say, almost 16 years of just kind of practicing the presence of God, just saying, Lord, I invite you in here. I don't really have anything else to do for the next, you know, 15 minutes in this car. You know, I could do a bunch of other things, but I wonder what you're thinking about. I wonder what you want to do in my life. You know, you saved me for a reason. You didn't bring me out of these dope houses and these jail these jail pens for no reason, you know, what do you want to do? Um, I, I'm still supposed to be locked up till 2044. So um, I've kind of got to ask that question every day. What do you want to do, Lord? I'm yours. You gave me this job. You gave me this family. What do I do? And he began sharing with me, John, it's actually a, a, a privilege to be in my presence. If you're not a Christian, you don't get that privilege. Isn't that crazy? As an unbeliever, I wasn't asking the Lord, hey, won't you come and encounter me? Now, I'm sure he wanted to, and I'm sure he would have, but I just wasn't on his radar, or nor was he on mine. But I was probably on his radar. He, he just wasn't on my radar. But he, he wants to encounter people, no matter unbeliever or believer. And so in the Bible, when you're reading, and he's showing up and encountering people that don't know him, maybe they're riding a horse and they're going to the wrong place, Doing the wrong thing. You know, he was actually doing it by himself. 
But, you know, Paul was being a booger, you know. He was pulling these Christians out by their hair and whipping them. You know, I don't, I don't know that, that I would recommend encountering that guy. You know, I just, I don't think that's a good idea, you know. But that's the people he encountered. He said, hey, you're, why are you persecuting my people? What's wrong with you? Change that guy's life. One encounter changed that dude's whole life. Changed his whole direction. So this is what I focused on because this is what happened to me. I mean, I had an encounter with the Lord in a jail cell, stinky, nasty jail cell, and it was terrible. It wasn't like, hey, I'm going to show up at church, got my cologne on, everything is nice, my jeans are iron, straight, you know, boom, here we go. It wasn't like that. It was like, I've got this jumpsuit on, and this is too short, this is terrible, i got these flip-flops, and it was just not a good situation. But it was God's remedy to encounter me, and he loved that. I didn't love that. I mean, I loved it at the end. I was like, wow, I could be so happy and I don't have anything. I mean, I've got a cup and a spoon and they gave me a Bible. They gave me, I think it was a Gideon Bible. That's all I had. That's all I owned. I didn't have anything else. I mean, you know, they, they repoed my truck and they took my apartment. Well, <clears throat> the apartment, it just, you know, if you get drug raided, you lose your apartment. That's kind of how it goes through contract stuff. So I didn't have anything. But I was like, I was content and I was happy that I had lost everything. And so sometimes encountering God, we may lose some things. He may strip us of some things that we may have put over him. He's not real big on idols. And I learned that the hard way. I really did. But you know what, you know what I learned is he let me keep some things even though he took some things away from me. Every single time I've asked the Lord, hey, would you encounter me? I don't know a whole bunch about you. I don't know how all this works. You know, I just now started Bible school, but I didn't have a theology degree. And I don't really even know if that helps you encounter the Lord. I think you learn a lot more about him. But I just said, I don't know how this works, but I know that you're the answer. And I need you to show up. I don't need a religion. I don't need a Bible verse. I need you to show up. And he would every single time I'd ask him, Lord, it's 11 o'clock at night. I need some answers for my family. I need some direction. Hey, Lord, you asked us to move to Rochester. We've never been there. We need some help. You know, help us get lined up. And every single time I've asked him, Lord, give me peace about this situation if you want me to go. Boom. But you know what I noticed too? This is equally scary. Is if you don't ask, He'll find out. And he'll let you make decisions that maybe will cost you. And, and that's happened to me a bunch of times. And so now I go, okay, Lord, I'm yours. I want to know your counsel. What, what do you want to say here? How do you want me to handle this? What do you want to do? And so I get the option. I could say, hey, would you lead me by your presence? Would you show me how this works? And he'll do it every time. Maybe not how I want it done, but... It gets done even faster when he does it that way. So as we focused on his presence and we say, Lord, I don't know. I don't understand. But here I am and let's move forward. We leave the past behind unknowingly because we're not focused on the rearview mirror. We're focused on we're moving forward. And then what's funny is years after doing that, just in little situations, we look back and go, can you believe 16 years ago, I was a dopehead, alcoholic, criminal, felon, ex-convict. Look at that guy. Who is that? And you look and go, how did that happen? Jesus encountered you however many times you, you asked him to. And he, you, you, can't, you can't stay the same. There's no way to stay the same. When he encounters you, you're changed. You're changed. You know what changes you is that love. When you get around, there's no judgment. He just loves you because he knows you. That's what messed me up is he would just continuously encounter me even when I was just kind of using him. You know, like fire extinguisher. Lord, get me out of this DWI. I swear I'll go to church on Sunday. I used to tell him that. And I would never go. Ever. My mom would say, John, it's Easter. You need to come. And I said, yeah, I know, Mom. I know, but I'm, I'm not going. I got something to do, you know? But that's how it was. He would bail me out. 
And I would just, he was my fire extinguisher guy. When the fire was hot, I'd, you know, I'd hang him back on the wall. Appreciate you, brother. See you next time. Just being honest, just being real. But he knew that he could meet me and he knew I would cry to him if that situation happened. And so I think for me, what I kind of learned is God just wants to be with us no matter what that means. So if, if, if that's what it means, hey, every time John gets pulled over because he's drinking and driving, he's going to cry out to me. Man, I like to hear that boy's voice, you know. He created me. So I began to see this love story happen in my life. And so it kind of made the past kind of dissipate to me. Because, sure, it was crying out, and there were all kinds of addictions that were in my flesh crying out for my attention. My gaze was stuck on this person that kept loving on me and showing up and chasing me. And, and I said, you know what? When I'm in his presence, I'm focused on the right things and I'm moving forward. And it makes sense to make these hard decisions, right? To, to make these tough choices. Gosh, why am I not smoking a cigarette? Why am I not going to the club? Why, why am I not uh, doing this or doing that or do, whatever? But when I got in his presence, I was like, gosh, this is so worth it. Like, it's so worth it to make them hard choices when he shows up and you just feel that, that presence. So, all right. To be honest with you, I didn't want to come to church. I honestly never pursued a life of ministry. Actually, I did the opposite. I ran as far away as you could. I did everything in my power to disqualify myself to hold this microphone because I knew it was going to cost me every single thing to hold a microphone and to live it. I knew it was going to cost me that. But what I learned is God chased me down no matter where I was and he brought me back to the father's house because see, I was just away from the father's house. So that's why I was doing all the things trying to fill that old void up Trying to pack it in with a little drinking, a little alcohol, a bunch of relationships, a bunch of money. Man, I thought that was going to fix it. I, th I really thought that money was going to make it work. But, you know, I just, I, I still do this. If, if my wife was here, she would tell you. John still looks out the front door window, out the back door. I still do that. But I don't mean to. It's just a habit. You know, I used to look out the window. And, you know, I just, you're paranoid because you got money in the house, you got drugs. You're like, oh my gosh, you see that car? That's narc, you know, and that's five of a swap, you know, and you're just looking. But, I, you know, I do it now and I think, God, praise God, I don't have to see no Impala. And, you know, they got all kinds of cars now. They got Explorers and everything. But it's kind of refreshing to me. I don't know where that came from. That was like a bluebird fly. But, you know, I look out the window and I'm like, thank God I have nothing to hide. I've got my family here. Praise God. And I don't have nothing to hide. You know, when I see a cop, I'm like, I have nothing to hide. Yes, you can pull me over. You know, I want to tell him, pull me over. But I used to be like, gosh, throw it out and eat it, you know. And that's what we would do, you know. But it's so good. Isn't that crazy? Don't do that. So isn't that crazy, though, that God can just continually change your life? It's just little by little. You know, he doesn't like. Now, sometimes he may just, man, I got delivered from everything. One encounter. Man, that's great. Praise God, I wish that was my story. I think I got delivered a bunch of times because I would keep going back because that's all I knew. You know, and he knew that about me. John, that's all John knows. He's going to keep going back. But I'm going to keep meeting him. And I'm going to keep showing up in his life. And I'm going to keep giving him my presence. I'm going to extend my hand to him and pull him when he needs some help. All right. The first time I felt the presence of God, I can tell you exactly where I was. I walked into a church service, and I hadn't been to church in, let's see, I was 24. I hadn't been to church in 14 years. Yep, I had stepped foot in one church in 14 years. And a bunch of guys brought me there, a bunch of guys that were in a recovery house. They got set free, and they were full of fire, man. They were full of Holy Spirit. And I said, these guys are nuts. Soon as I walked through the doorstep, I heard God say, welcome home. And I said, oh, Lord, we got to go. You know, we got to get out of here. This is crazy. But I felt 
this I called it energy because I didn't I, I didn't know what it was but I could feel that it was just there was power in the room and I said oh my goodness this ain't a dead church this church alive man what have you guys been doing in here how do we get this in my car because I feel such conviction I was like Lord I'm so sorry I'm such a sinner but it, it drew me to be righteous. You know, just that atmosphere. I was like, oh, goodness. Man, if I was in if I was in church all the time, I'd never make a bad choice. You ever feel like that? Gosh, if I could stay here all day long, I'd never make a bad choice. I used to think that, hey, pastor, can I sit here all day long? You know, because I was, I, you just think about righteous things. You just feel great. That's the presence of God. And so I said, okay, no more just having that at church. I got to have it in my car. And. I want to have it in my house. And so everywhere we go now, me and my wife, every house we live in, every state we move to, God, let your presence be in this home like it was in the other house. God, let our babies feel your presence. Lord, I pray that we would have dreams and visions in these. You know, I'm, I love it now, man. You know, I just don't give room for, for, for the old man, the old past. I don't give him no room. He has no room now. He's a good monument. Does that make sense? He's a good monument. Okay, that's who John could be if, if he gets back in action. But now I get to move forward because I'm just seeking his presence. You know, it doesn't mean, you know, you just become, you know, you're just, you know, out in another world, you know. You got to go to work, you know. So I just say, Lord, I'm working today, but hey, I'm, I'm open to your presence, you know. Hmm. Psalm 3410 says, those who seek the Lord, we got to make it biblical, right? <clears throat> Psalm 3410 says, you guys can laugh, it's okay. Psalm 3410 says, it says, those who seek the Lord shall lack no good thing. There's another scripture that says, uh, James 4, 7 through 8. This is more or less the formula that I kind of learned. I wouldn't say it's a formula. But it says, therefore, submit to God. That's the first step. That's the first thing I had to do. Okay, Lord, I'm submitted. Here I am. What do you want to do? I got 15 minutes. Or I'm driving to Mankato, so I got an hour and 20 minutes. I'm submitted to you. I'm not thinking about my own agenda. Resist the devil. Well, you know, that's the car that drives by and cuts you off when it's snowing. And, and he'll flee from you. That's... So in that little one little verse right there, that was really hard for me to do right there because when the, I don't know if you guys had like overcoming cravings, like when, when nicotine would hit me or the alcohol or the pills or whatever it was, I mean, it would come like, I mean, like a thunderstorm. And I'd be like, whoa, if I don't do that, then man, I feel like just everything's going to, I mean, it's just, it, that's all you can think about. It just hits you so hard. And so I used to quote the scripture, resist the devil. How long is it going to take, Lord? I want to go to Circle K, which is kind of like a quick trip. And I'm like, oh, Lord, you know, help me, Lord. And he would. And so when that feeling would go away, it'd be over. They call that temptation. I didn't know that. But I had to learn that through experience. You know, because the devil comes on you and says, no, this is who you really are. You don't need to be in the presence of God. You can go smoke a cigarette, you know, blah, 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 or do whatever you do. And it, he was just lying to me, just trying to get me back over here in the past. So the next one, it says, draw near to God and he will draw near to you. So I said, oh, this is what's happening. I'm asking him, Lord, would you come and encounter me? Here I am. I'm not at a church house. I'm in my car. And so he said, OK, well, I'm going to draw near to him. I'm drawing near and he's drawing near back. And that's how it worked. And the more I would do that. What's crazy, it just got more intense, like real intense, you know, like, wow, man, this is crazy. I don't know if I can drive his car. I'm crying so hard. You know, I'm like, oh, don't look at me. I'll put my sunglasses on. And it was beautiful, though, because, you know, I was taught, you know, you know, only only punks cry. You know, and I was like, man, I cry all the time. What are you talking about? You know, if you, you knew what I've been through, you'd be crying through. But I was learning, man, you know, it just overwhelming. It's overwhelming when he begins to remind you, man, John, this is who you used to be. Look what I've done in your life. Look what, look what you making little choices has done. And I'm not saying I made all good choices. I made a bunch of bad ones. And I still do. 
I just try to minimize them, right? We're not, we're not perfect. We're not sinless. We just try to sin less. And that's my goal. It was like, oh, I don't want to sin less. Ask my wife. That boy's a sinner. She married a sinner. I told her, you married a sinner. I hope you know that. But I love Jesus, and so, so does she. But, you know, she's, she's way more holier than me. I'm telling you, she's got it together. I mean, if I want to know how to follow Jesus, I'll just ask my wife. And she'll tell you, she's, she's pretty solid. I mess with her. I say that about her because she's not here. But uh, what I did forget is this is recorded. So, anyways, right? Well, they say your sins will find you out. So there's my sin right there. It says, cleanse your hands. Listen to this. It's talking straight to me. Cleanse your hands, you sinners, and purify your heart, you double-minded. And so what I got from that is every time I come into his presence, I'm immediately thinking, oh, man, Lord, forgive me of my sins. I probably had not confessed my sins all day long. Lord, would you wash me? Would you show me how powerful your blood is? Lord, would you just do something new in my mind? And not that he's like got this checklist like, I can't come and hang out with you until you get rid of this, 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 this. You know, that's his, that's just his nature to meet you, to just come where you're at. It's like if you have kids and your son or your daughter cries out, you don't go, oh yeah, you did this, 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 this. Then I'll come and, and, and help you out. That's how I correlate it now. So if you have kids, relationship with God is like crazy because that's how it is with us. It's the same way here as it is with them. I was disciplining my son one day. He was running out through the front yard. There was these cars going by. You know, these cars are out fast. You know, isn't that something, stuff I used to do? I get mad at other people for. I'm like, turn that music down or slow down. You know, I used to do the same thing. But he was running and I was trying to kind of keep him in a boundary. And, and he was running. I was like, hey, whoa. And then I kept doing it. I was like, gosh, Lord, he was like continuously doing this. He was like, yeah, you do the same thing. I'm always trying to keep you in the boundary. You, you run out here and I tell you, no, 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 no. And you get upset at me. But you don't get upset at your son. See how it works? And I was like, oh, wow. Okay. All right, I'm good. Sorry about that. You know, and so it's, if you think about it like that, that's how it is. Is He's not disciplined us to, be, to make it, our life not fun. He's doing it for our safety. You know, I know many times where he said, red light, red light, red light. And I'm like, gas, you know, and it big old mess. And I'm like, oh, Lord, why didn't you save me? Well, I tried to warn you, but you never. So that's just my story. Hopefully you can relate. For me, God set me free in my living room. I was in a shotgun house living in the hood. Yeah, I, I was proud. This was my first apartment. You know, because, I mean, having a felony makes your life a little difficult. You know, people don't trust you. They don't want you to move in their house. But this guy took a chance on me. I was so excited. I had so much faith. The Lord said, you're going to live in the house. And I said, well, he does a background check. So hopefully he's blind. But he let me move in there. So, and I lived there for a long time because I didn't know if anybody else was going to take a chance on me. But... That room right there, that front room, I was staying in. I said, uh, Lord, I don't want to go to rehab. And I got to go to rehab tomorrow if I don't get this together because it's all fixing to go south. And uh, I said, okay. I said, if you can set me free in that rehab out there in the middle of nowhere, right? Because this rehab was in the middle of nowhere. Because they knew if people left. They would have to walk at like 20 miles to the first gas station. That's a long way. And let me tell you, there's a lot of people that left that rehab, and I was thinking, gosh, well, they're they are determined to be an addict. I mean, you got to be real determined to walk 20 miles. You know, I was thinking, gosh. I was thinking the other week, man, it's cold. I don't want to go to church. He said, they never stop you from going to the club. And I said, oh, well, that's a good one. That's truth. So... I sat right there. I said, Lord, if you can deliver me right here, then I don't have to go there. You know, I was just thinking, I don't want to have to do that. But I knew if, if I didn't surrender and let it be, then I was going to have to go. And I don't think there's nothing wrong with it. I probably needed every bit of that. Every bit. I needed a reset. 
I had all kinds of emotional problems, all kinds of, I just was a big old mess, right? <clears throat> you guys ever just been a big, I'm just a big old mess. And I'm just trying to hold it all together with all these band-aids. I got band-aids all around me. So I sat down in my living room. I cut on some worship music. I can tell you what song it was. I can tell you the time, the song. I mean, I can tell you everything. And I, I was just worshiping. I was like, Lord, here we go. I surrender. Whatever, whatever it is that's binding me and holding me up, I surrender to you. And uh, then I you know, kind of found myself on my knees. And then I was like, man, I started crying. And the next thing I realized, it, I mean, like some time had passed. Like we were into like a whole nother album. The whole song was gone. It was, and so I, I kind of lifted up. I mean, I was still awake. I wasn't like asleep. And there was a big old puddle on my couch of just, just tears and sobbing. And I just, I felt like a hundred times better. And I said, wow, that was excellent. Like, that was great. That's probably what I needed that would have taken probably months, you know, in, in, a, in, a, um, in a facility. And I heard him say, now you got to make the, the hard choices. And that was really hard. That's, that's really why I was like, man, I wish I would have went. I probably should go to rehab. Because this makes it easier when you got a month clean and you're coming out. You know, when, when you're clean and you've got the next day and the cigarette store's right there and the alcohol store's right there and all the other stores that bind you. And I'm living in the project, so the dope man's right down the street. And I'm like, God, this is going to be really hard. And he said, yep, but you can do it. If you focus on me, you can do it. And so I began to read in the Bible where they were, uh, they were in a boat. And one of them, I think it was Peter. Don't get me to lie. But he's seen Jesus walking on this water. And the deal was if he focused on him, he could defy the natural. He could defy what was naturally not possible, right? The moment he looked away is when he went down. And so I took that. As long as I am focused on him, this stuff around me won't hold me down. But when I get my eyes off, I'm going down. And I lived it. Seriously, I lived it. Sure, I took my eyes off. I'm going to tell you right now, I took my eyes off. I relapsed. And then I did it again. And then I relapsed again. And then I did it again. And you know what? I learned after four times of relapsing, you just got to keep your eyes on them. And you just got to focus. You got to be all in. See, I wasn't all in before. I was kind of like, okay, I'm going to show up and I'm going to check this thing out. But then I was like, you know what? At the last part, I said, you know what? I'm going all in. Because I tried to kill myself the last time. I said, you know what? I don't have to drink myself to death. God, God wants me to live in freedom. He wants me to live the abundant life. So you know what I did? I took, I sold out. Hey, where can I connect? I want to be in a life group. I want to lead a life group. That you know, like, oh, you can't lead a life group. You just come back. You know, you just, you know, hey, you hold tight, brother. And I was like, okay, that's fine, that's fine. But I was ready. I was sold out. What do you want me to do? Let's go. And when I did that, when I made that little shift, like, I don't care what people think. Too bad. So now the people that were worried about me, man, we're worried about you. You're going to church all the time. Man, I don't know. Something wrong with you, man. They weren't worried about me before when I was drinking myself to death. You know, driving all the time. But now they're worried. But now they're calling. Hey, bro, I need some help. Oh, now you need some help? You was calling wondering about me. Yeah, what's going on? You know, so hey, you know, just don't be mad at them. I know some, some of my friends, they were hating. But I ain't giving them no hate back. That's what this little Christian rapper the other day said. You can hate me, but I ain't giving no hate back. Because, listen, I used to do the same thing. Oh, yeah, you was at the club. Now you're going to church. I used to do the same thing. So I just tell them, hey, listen, it's all good. No, hey, no worries. I know it looks crazy, but all I can tell you is Jesus will change your life. He will flip your life upside down. And there's nothing better. So... The presence of God. I mean, I could talk all night long. And hopefully, hopefully, it's, it's maybe 
put some thoughts in your mind to say, hey, you know what? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to really check this out. And maybe right now, I know even before this meeting started, I could feel the presence of God. Because we've been asking for it. Lord, would you show up? Because if they just listen to me talk, all they've heard is one person talk. Hopefully they felt your presence and you're speaking internally as I'm up here. Right? Wouldn't that be the better part of the equation? Acts 2, 28 says, You have made known to me the paths of life. You will fill me with joy in your presence. Like I said before, it makes you, it makes you hungry for His Word. When I'm in the presence of God, I want to read the Bible over and over again. When I'm not, I have no desire. Just being honest, just being real with you. I'm like, I don't want to read that thing. But once I start reading it, I'm like, oh wow, this is good. This is ministering to me. But it just takes, it just takes a little time, you know. But when you're in the presence of God, all you can think about, man, I just want to, I just want to cut on some worship music. You know, that's all your your gaze is stuck on it. And that's a good thing because what you behold, you become. That is a true statement. I had to live that one. What I beheld, I became. And that wasn't a good thing most of the time. The presence of God, it draws us out of sin. It draws us into that perfect love and the marvelous light. Without continually seeking and being in His presence, the default partnership would be isolation, complacency, mediocrity, and at the end of the road is destruction. Only in His presence do you have hope, joy, peace, patience, love, rest, and contentment. He is the only one that can steal the waters of your soul. When you're in His presence, you're, it's just like a river of life is flowing in you. And there's nothing, like there's nothing better. It's hard to explain. Um, you're not having to search and move. It's the only time I can be still. Anybody ADD like me? I mean, when I'm in His presence, I'm like, brother, I can sit here and I'm just chilling. It, and it's only that, you know. It used to be drugs, but now it's this. So you just switch. So you don't have to go buy this. You don't have to go. Now you might have to pay for it by like saying, okay, Lord, I need your presence. But he'll give it just like that. And the more you do it, the more you're like, man, this is awesome. I like this. And then people, here's what I noticed. And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to wrap it up with this. As you do this a lot, people will apologize for cussing around you. Isn't that so strange? I'd be like, why are you saying sorry? How do you know I don't cuss? You know, I might. Every once in a while, you know. But I was thinking they would apologize. And I'm like, why are you, why are you apologizing? There's a presence about you. Did you know everybody has a presence? Most people, when somebody passes away, they go, man, I miss, I just miss their, their, their presence or their, their, how they would light up the room, Right? Everybody has a presence. I want to ask my friend Rod. He knows a little bit about the presence of God. He's going to come and share his story of the presence. This is a Rod Raver. And he's going to tell you a little bit about himself. I got to stand behind this. Whatever you want to do. Name's Rod. I'm a Rochester native. I'm actually a 70s boy. I grew up when I was in high school during the 70s. A little bit about my background before I get into what God did for me. Um, back then I was quite involved in sports. That was my life. And at one time I actually qualified for the 76 Olympic trials in a specific event. And as I was going out to junior college one day on my motorcycle, I was uh, hit broadside by a man, threw me over the car, busted me up pretty bad, and basically ended my, my career. 
Previous to that, during high school and growing up in the late 60s and the 70s, during the peace, love, drug era, I experimented. I ran with my buddies. I partied on the weekends. I smoked dope. I did all those things. But I never did it to the extent where I wanted to, to interfere with the sports part of my life. Well, after this motorcycle accident, I fell on a 15-year telescope. Instead of doing it on weekends and with my buddies and friends and partying, I was doing it all the time by myself alone. I got married when I was 21, and then I had a lawyer call me one day and says, Hey, we're, we, I want to sue this guy and beat you on the motorcycle. There's an off duty cop and a police and a doctor behind you that saw the whole thing. We got witnesses, and I thought, Okay, now I'm all for that. I'm going to get all this money and then I can quit drugging and drinking and everything will be fine. Well, it took four years. It came to court. I got a load of money for more than a kid my age should have had. I remember when I was, uh, the day I got that, I sat downstairs, pulled my recliner up, and I bawled because I knew, I knew I wasn't going to quit drugging. I knew I wasn't going to quit drinking because I had money now. And I went out and bought a car, a boat, a motorcycle, guns, more drugs. And it's continued for a long time until it started going the other way. Started losing everything. Started banks started repoing stuff. Just turned the gas off at the house. Electricity. My wife was ready to. I'd see her on a. I'd leave on a Friday and come home on a Monday. I'd see her going to work. It got, it got bad. This went on. I had a grandma on my dad's side, me and Grandma Raver always used to say to my brother and I, Grandma, Grandma loves you and Jesus loves you too. Well, I understood the grandma part, but I never really could relate to the Jesus part of it. But she was the sweetest lady. She was just so, she had God in her like nobody I ever met before. A couple of years go by and I was getting worse. And my dad says to me, Grandma's dying, do you want to go visit her? And I said, yeah. So we flew out to Salt Lake, and it was June time frame. And we go to the hospital, and my grandma's blind, 90 pounds, and she's talking to me about the love of Jesus. And I couldn't handle it, because I was a mess, and she didn't care about anything except me. And uh, really started making me think. You know, I went back to my cousin's house that night, and I wanted to sleep outside in the backyard on a, on a lawn chair because it was nice out. And I'm laying there in this sleeping bag in this lawn chair, and I'm looking up at the sky, and I'm going, "Man, what's it all about? I'm a mess. I gotta get my hat cleaned up." And just started having these deep thoughts. And all of a sudden, out of nowhere, came this breeze. Out of the stillness of the night, and it put goosebumps all over me, and I covered my head up like when I was a kid, scared after I watched some horror movie at night, you know, made a little hole, and I fell asleep. Got up the next day, we flew home, and I continued drinking and drugging and thinking a little bit more about the Lord. I'm actually watching the 700 Club one day on TV, drinking beer and smoking a joint and listening to these people's testimonies, crying, you know, it's crazy. <laughs> <laughs> you know, and I, I actually went downtown and I bought a, a Bible. And I started reading about temptation and, and, and I'm thinking, what is going on here? And one day, I had a wood shop then, I built furniture. The floor was all dusty, I had wood chips all over it. I'd always get bags of dope and I'd smoke joints and when I'd get down to the roach, I'd throw it on the floor or whatever. And then when I'd run out this particular day, I'm on my hands and knees looking at the wood chips and the sawdust trying to get enough roaches taken apart so I could get high. And it hit me, it's just like, man, look at you. Look how far you've gone. So I went in the house, 
house. I was watching some more of the 700 Club, and they had a sinner's prayer, and I listened to the sinner's prayer, and I didn't know what to think. And I went back out of my shop, and I'm standing there, and I realized, I don't know what happened. I thought, okay, God, I believe you're real. I believe you're real. And my sinner's prayer is like, I need help. I gotta clean my act up. I can't take it anymore. And I went that day without getting stoned. That was the first time in probably 10 years. I couldn't even eat breakfast without getting high first to get an appetite. And a couple of days go by. I'm out in my shop late one night. July time frame, hot, muggy, cricket chirping night, no air conditioning and all. Phone rings, it's my dad. He says, Rod, he says, Grandma died. And he just bummed me out. And I went in the house, and I'm laying in the bed. My wife's asleep. I had a water bed back then. And listen to the crickets, and all of a sudden, it's like this breeze came through the curtains again and blew them and put goosebumps all over me. And it's like, wow, that's what happened in Salt Lake City. What's going on, man? Kind of forgot about it and fell asleep and read the Bible again the next day about temptation. Oh, if you withhold, don't give the devil a foothold, you'll get stronger. And I went the day again without getting stoned. And then that night came along, my wife's asleep, and I'm laying in bed. And it's like this washing is going through me. I was sorry for what I put my family through, everybody I knew, my parents, my wife. And all of a sudden, I'm not talking audible, this inner voice said, Rod, look out the window. And I thought, whoa, what's going on here? Am I making this up? And I thought, I can't make stuff like this up. This is crazy. So I leaned over my wife and I'm looking out the bedroom window, curtains were open and everything, there's nothing going on. And this voice says, no, go to the living room. And I laid back down in bed, I thought, wow, this is crazy. And I'm laying there and I finally got up and I went out in the living room and I'm looking out the window and I'm looking, it's like, I didn't know what I was looking for. I'm listening to the crickets and it's hot, it was July, it's hotter and I'll get out. And I didn't see anything, so I went back to bed. And I'm laying in bed, and again, it says, Rod, get up and go look out the window. So I went out again, and I'm standing there, and I'm looking around, I thought, what's, what's going on here? And then I realized, I says, okay, God, this is going to be you, because I can't make something like this up. I don't care how many times you ask me, I'll come out of here. So I went back to bed, and he asked me, it's like, Rod, get up and go look out the window. And I went out. As I'm standing there looking up, the window, that breeze came through the curtains and it blew out of nowhere. And I felt this presence like I never felt in my life. It just permeated my whole being. And the first thing he said to me, to my spirit, was, Rod, I love you. Now you know I'm real. And he spoke on my terms. He said, man, I want you to clean your act up and live for me. And I stood there for a while and I just couldn't believe how that feeling and how it connected with me. I got up the next day. Man, I got started cleaning the house, getting rid of all my paraphernalia, hanging up my pants, an eight ball fell on the floor. I'm staring at that. I don't know what I do with this. Flushed it down the toilet. Started getting rid of all my stuff stashed, going over to my friend's house, telling them what, what God had did and everything while they're weighing pounds out of the scales, cutting them up and cutting lines. And, oh, that's great, Rod. That's cool. That's really good. You know, I, everybody thought I was whacked. Just out of my door. Couldn't believe it. But to this day, you know, a lot of those guys have 
after years of addiction, they all come around and they know what I'm talking about. So, I'm telling you, it's real. You just, you just got to keep looking. And he will reveal, it's a promise, he will reveal himself to you. And uh, I just wish every one of us could feel his presence all the time. I used to, I used to look for pills and powders and dope to feel a feeling, but it was never like this. It'll never be. Instead of searching for that feeling, I'm searching for his presence. And uh, thank you for the opportunity to share with you guys. Well, I think he said it. I mean, you listen for a voice, and if you hear the voice, you can get around the presence, right? You know, if you hear somebody talking, you're going to start heading to where that voice goes, right? And so a lot of, lot of us, and same for me and Ryan, as he was calling our name, right? He was saying, hey, come, come over here. Come up here, let me show you something. And so I don't, I don't know where... All of us in this room, we're all in different places. And so what I would say probably for the next 10 minutes or so, we'll have a time of worship. Helen and Kurt will lead us into worship. If you need some prayer, there'll be some guys up here and ladies to pray with you. But if you just want to sit in your seat, that's absolutely fine too. So I'm going to pray and then we'll have that time. Feel free uh, to, uh, to come up here and pray, or you can pray at your seat, whatever you'd like to do. Father, we know that we are only changed in your presence, God. We're all in different places, Father. There may be people in this room tonight that, that maybe need you. They may have never heard of you before, and God, they're, they're experiencing you for the first time. But God, there's probably other of us in this room, God, that we say yes. I want to press into that. I need to be transformed. And, uh, and Lord, I pray that that would happen for every single person in this room. God, you didn't bring them here to, to let them leave the same. God, you intended to encounter them. And Lord, I pray that when we leave tonight, God, we would say, oh man, I was never the same. I, I pray this would be somebody else's moment like it was my moment when I went to church. That that presence, that energy, as I called it, made me curious and addicted to learning about you and getting close to you. And the closer I got to you, the more I was different and made new. And Father, I pray that, that they would do business tonight with you, that they would focus on you and allow you to change them and transform them. In Jesus' name.